going to invite you to have a seat, and I'll read for us this morning our scripture. The story of the resurrection is told by Luke. I'm going to read verses 24, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. We're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. Remember, What he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered his words. And when they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense and they didn't believe the women but Peter ran to the tomb and when he bent over to look inside he saw only the linen cloth and then he returned home wondering what had happened this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God uh, in October, I was preparing for this morning. Uh, I'd uh, gone away for a couple of days with a friend, another pastor. He'd invited me to go with him to a house that he has up at Lake Junaluska, which is a Methodist camp in North Carolina. And the idea was we could take a few days away and plan ahead. I try to do that as best I can. Uh, so I was planning for this year for the sermons and the scriptures and Sunday mornings for the first part of 2022 through to the summer, but that included Lent and Easter, and so I went up to prepare, and um, while we were up there, my friend Will, who's a Methodist pastor in North Georgia, was telling me about this place where he likes to go and get pottery, Um, you know, handmade artists there in the area that make different things, and uh, so he said, before we left, we should stop and get something, and so we did. On the way out, we'd packed up the car with all of our stuff, And uh, we stopped at this shop and went in and checked everything out. And I got this. Um, It's a candle holder thing. I I collect a lot of pottery and very versed in all of the language. But um, it's a candle holder. And it's got the nativity scene in it. And uh, so I got this for our home, for our family. You may not know this, but um, I got married in December. And so in October, I was thinking ahead to our marriage and our shared home, blending a home and um, decorating for the holidays. And I thought it would be nice to have our, a first sort of piece for us as a blended family to have to decorate our home at Christmas time. And so I got this candle holder. And um, 
The guy, when he sold it to me, he wrapped it up in newspaper and then put it in a brown paper bag, you know, and rolled the top of the bag down nice and snug. And we put it in the back of the car, um, opened the hatch and put it, you know, in there with all the other luggage. Came home, and uh, when Will pulled up into the driveway, the driveway had a little bit of a slant to it. We opened the back to get all the luggage out. And guess what came sliding out in its brown paper bag? I heard it hit the concrete. Heard it shatter. God bless my friend, Will, who's a very intelligent person, but also very well-meaning and optimistic. He said, maybe it didn't break. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, Will, It, it broke into many pieces. My heart sunk. You know, this this one-of-a-kind piece of art that I'd gotten for my new family coming together was laying there on the ground in that bag in pieces. So I brought it inside and laid it on the dining room table, opened up the bag, could hear it rattling as I walked in the house. opened up the bag and emptied out all the pieces onto the table out of the newspaper and I just sat there for a minute looking at all the pieces of this beautiful piece of pottery that I had bought for my family and my heart sunk and I thought well maybe I'll just go get something else But I thought about why I got it and what it meant to me and to my family. And it's just this sort of feeling came over me. I'm going to put that thing back together. This thing is gone. It's trash, not over my dead body. Like, I just sort of got that sort of fortitude about me, you know, I'm going to put that thing back together. And, And I started to, and I put a couple of pieces together glued them together and and let them sit to try to stick and then went back later to pick them up to start adding more pieces and those fell apart. I mean, my heart just sunk again. But I kept at it and, you know, kept gluing them back together. Again, not really my thing. I'm not skilled at that. A lot of YouTube videos to help me know how to do, what to do, what to use. But eventually, I put it back together. Now, I'm sure from out there, it looks perfectly fine. If you came up here and inspected it, you'd see the cracks. And you'd see the little nicks where there's some shards that are missing and stuff's not exactly lined up perfectly. But I got it back together. And on Christmas Eve, I got to put a candle inside it. And what you'll see on the screen is this lit with... um, Yes, those are my Publix salt and pepper shakers of Santa and Mrs. Claus. But I had that moment when I was looking at all the pieces and I had that feeling inside of me, over my dead body is this thing gone. And I realized God was giving me the Easter sermon right there. As God looked at the world, 
looked at us, saw the torment, how the world was torn apart, and God, in the person of Jesus Christ, said, over my dead body, will this be how it goes? Which brings me to the question that the angel asks of the women in this story. Why have you come to look for the living among the dead? And I thought of myself sitting there looking at all these pieces of pottery, this beautiful thing shattered in front of me. And I thought about those women and how their whole lives, their whole world must have felt shattered in pieces right before their very eyes. And that's what they were coming to see. Was Jesus dead? Murdered? Buried? And I thought, there might be somebody in the room this morning or with us online whose life feels like it's in pieces. Shattered. Broken. And that's all we can see. Maybe it feels like to you your church has been shattered, broken, torn apart. That's all you can see. And that question from the angels to those followers of Jesus, when all they could see was the brokenness, why have you come to look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive. Go look for him in life, in the living. As Nancy Claire Pittman puts it, why would we cling to old versions of ourselves or of our church? as if the longer and the tighter we cling to them, they'll stay alive. When that's not at all what this is about. That's not at all what this story is about. This story is about life. New life. And the angel saying, look to where there is life, not death. If you want to see Jesus. Which is why... The, the resurrection is so critically important because it is real, tangible, visceral, in the flesh life. More than just an ideal or a theory that we would espouse, it is something to experience, to know, to see, to touch. I read an article recently by a woman named Julia Cho. She writes uh, for a lot of different publications, the Times, the Atlantic, uh, the Washington Post. And uh, she writes out of her own place of grief. And she writes for people about grief and parenting. And it's because, and she goes into it in this article, it's because for the past 11 years, she's been living in the wake of having to bury her husband, who died unexpectedly at age 33, and left her as a single mom with a one-year-old daughter. 
And so this article that she writes, she talks about these past 11 years and how she realized this year that she's been living all those years preparing to die. She said it it happened. She can remember when it happened, when her husband died and she went to make the arrangements for his funeral and his burial. They asked her about his cemetery plot if she wanted to be buried on the left or the right. Because oftentimes, if couples are buried together, that's something they have to consider and decide. And they said, usually you get buried on whichever side you slept on the bed. That's the side that the couple would be buried on. But that question for her then just started a series of questions and things that she had to do to deal with, to account for once he had passed. Not only about him and his life, but then she started thinking about her own self and making plans and arrangements for her eventual death. And, and so she got all the paperwork together like anyone would do. And she said then she found herself putting things together in bins that would need, if something needed to be dealt with or handled in a split second, that she put bins together of things and, and put lids and labeled them and And then she even started a file and she put a little F on it for a funeral that if she read something or heard something or saw something that she wanted included in her service, she put it in the file just in case something happened to her. And then she started every year writing a letter to her daughter about all the things they had done that year so that her daughter would know what kind of experiences she had had with her mother just in case her mother wasn't there anymore. And she came to Lent This year, she says. And when she went on Ash Wednesday to receive ashes, she said the the priest uttered the phrase in Latin, memento miro, which means remember you will die. Mori, excuse me, memento mori, remember you will die. I got to brush up on my Latin. And she realized she'd spent the last 11 years focused more on preparing to die than on living. She said, and her daughter asked her a question. Her daughter, who's now a teenager, was thinking about her life and what she wanted to be and sort of having these dreams and visions. Do I want to be an astronaut or would I want to be a teacher? Would I want to be a lawyer or a zookeeper? And she said her daughter asked her, what's your vision for the rest of your life? And she realized she really didn't have one. She was spending her days preparing to die. And then she said it occurred to her that there's a, another Latin phrase, a balancing phrase for memento mori, and it's memento vivere, which means not only remember that you will die, but remember to live. And so she decided this year, this Lenten season, this Easter, not to focus on death and dying but to focus on life and living. And the last couple lines in her article say this. 
At the other end of Lent's 40 days, Easter waits. I still don't have an answer for my daughter about what I want to do exactly with the years ahead of me, but I'm starting to think about them for the first time. I'm starting to make plans. I'm remembering to live. Memento vivere, the sun is shining. And this is the message of Easter for us. In the question from the angels, why are you looking for the living among the dead? As I sat there looking at those shards of pottery, grieving what was broken, I began to envision what it could look like to put them back together. Siblings in the faith, this is what God does. This is who Jesus is. God takes the pieces of our lives and puts them back together. Not just once, but all throughout time and history. Every day, God takes those broken places. It doesn't matter how many times they break. It doesn't matter how many times it's been shattered. It doesn't matter how unbelievably difficult, complicated, or impossible it may look or feel. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God is putting it back together. He's done it once for all on Easter in Jesus Christ, and he's done it for you and for me, for our church, and for the world. And he calls us to get over his dead body and to look for life. Look for life. Look for where Jesus is in the living, in you and around you. In the new relationships or the rekindled ones. In the babies being born. In the forgiving or being forgiven. In the second chances. In bringing fresh flowers and adorning the cross with them. In the children's ministry and all the kids at the parents' night out who made that amazing video to tell us the story of Holy Week. And a yard full of kids, full of energy, who are now full of Easter candy. Look for life, church, follower of Jesus, seeker, broken one. Look for life. I got to share with you another sign of life that I got. Well, you got it. We all got it because it was a letter addressed to Eric and the people of Shambly First United Methodist Church. We got it in the mail last week uh, from a church member. His name is Neb Shiraus. Uh, Neb's been a part of this church for a long time. He'll be 80 years old. I mean, 90 years old later this year. His wife recently passed away during the pandemic. And Neb was known around this church, still is, as somebody who would call you or come see you, check on you if you needed to get somewhere, help you get there, give you a ride, cares deeply about people and the people of this church. Well, Neb wrote us a letter, and I, I just want to share some of it with you as, as a sign of life offered to us from Neb. He says, Dear Eric and Shambly First United Methodist Church members, thank you for your cards, literature, calls, and especially your prayers. It has been my pleasure to know the members and to work with you in God's name. As I read the Lent devotions written by Shambly First members, 
I feel even closer to God because I know the writers and how they live. I wish I was physically able to be with you and to help in some way telling others of God's love. My love is extended to the families of all who have passed away. I lost my wife of nearly 60 years. And again, I thank you for your love, cards, calls, literature, and prayers. In Christ's name and in love, Neb Shiraz. Church, there's life in us, among us, around us. And we may look at the pieces. You've got them. We look at the pieces and we're tempted to see death, to see the brokenness as the end. But good God in heaven, that's not the end. Which is what the angels told the women at the tomb. Remember. Remember what he told you. There will be death, but there will be life on the other side of it. This is the good news of the resurrection. And I'm not saying suspend your disbelief, but maybe be willing to sub- subject it to a miraculous truth that on the other side of death, there is life. That on the other side of loss, there is victory. On the other side of brokenness, there is healing. And when we are willing to bring our pieces and put them in the hand of God, God puts us back together, makes it right, beautiful, so that we can shine. Would you bring your peace? Because not only does God put us back together as creations of God as people, but God puts us back together as God's church. Would you bring your peace? There's a place where you fit just right with your ragged edges, odd shape. But, but somehow, God, I wasn't looking at anybody personally when I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> as far as you know. But it, somehow, God works putting us all together right where we fit, right where we belong, so that we together can shine the light of Christ even more brightly. Now is the time. Today is the day, and this is the place for you to be a part of that with each other. Find life and live it. Be alive in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the light of Christ shine through you the way you were created for it to. Each and every one of us and us together. I'll leave you with the words of Chance the Rapper, 
from his recent single, Do Your Thing, Child of God. Do Your Thing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.